a woman searching for purpose and success? A housewife? Maybe a single mother? You're in the right place. Welcome to Savvy Speaks Empowerment Podcast with Ms. Lisa Nobles. Activate, motivate, inspire. Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome to the Savvy Speaks Empowerment Podcast. I am Ms. Lisa Nobles, your hostess, and I am so excited and elated to have you joining with me today. Speaking of today, our topic will consist of COVID-19 and the quarantine. I have essential, special, wonderful guests joining me for this special Queens of the Roundtable segment at the Savvy Speaks Roundtable. This segment is in sharing facts concerning COVID-19 and medically sound information which contributes to having to helping the community move forward into a new phase of transition for reopening the company, the country, excuse me, everyone, you know, I get excited. Um, studies show that over 1 million people, family, 1 million people, can you believe that, are tainted with or have overcome this particular disease. And I want to be able to share with us some information that will help us to move forward and try to at least alleviate some of our fears that we have had in the past concerning this particular ID, um, this particular virus. So I'm going to give everybody a chance to introduce themselves here in one second. So um, uh, we have a medically sound uh, 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 panel here, and I'm excited to introduce these professional young women that will be able to enlighten us on which which avenues we can take. How will we go about getting over this uh, pandemic, and um, how are we going to recover as a country? Yet the pressing matter remains uh, concerning me specifically that I was interested in knowing more about is the African American and the Latina and other majority communities that are leading in death and mo and and that are the most affected communities of the COVID nineteen groups. My running question, our theme for our message today, is answering: Will this disease continue to minimize? as we are reintegrating into society. And we're going to let the, the experts answer these questions. So let's give a warm welcome to my guest queens. We have KP Shea Gibbons, um, AGMP-C, which they will under they will explain their credentials here in one second. Then we have Dr. Shalitra Jordan, DMP, and she, as well as a CRNA, and uh, Shima. Andrews, who is the FMP slash CRNC dash OB CEFM. That's a lot of words for a lot of professional people <laughs> that I know absolutely nothing about. <laughs> Thank you for being <laughs> I cannot express my excitement for interviewing such professional a, a professional group of women. All right, family. Don't forget, remember our focus today is COVID-19 and the quarantine. So welcome, Queens, again, and tell us a little bit more about yourself. And we can start with you, Shay, if you want, and then we will go to uh, Shayla as, and then uh, uh, Shima. Hello, my name is Sequisa Givens. I'm an adult geriatric nurse practitioner. Um, the C stands for board certified. I'm also the owner of and private practice above average health and house calls located in Dallas, Texas. And I'm also the author of No Colored Nurses, which is a book that's available on Amazon. I have been um, in the medical field for over 22 years. I started out as an LVN and worked my way up to my master's degree. Uh, my name is Shalitra Jordan. Um, of course, I have my doctorate, so that's why it's Dr. Shalitra Jordan. I'm a CRNA. Um, I've been in the medical field for about uh, 15 years. I also own a CBD business in the wow. Houston area. So well, I didn't know you were in the Houston area. I'm in the Houston area. <laughs> I'm in I'm in League City. I could have drove up to you. <laughs> I know what we wanted right in here. Okay, go right here, Doctor Shima. I'm in Shima. Um, my name is Shima Andrews, and I'm a family nurse practitioner, um, certified uh, here in Connecticut. Um, the extra acronyms just is extra certifications for women's health specialty and obstetrics. Um, I have been in the medical field for over 12 years, um, also started as a, a nursing assistant and worked my way up to my master's. 
I have um, private practice here in Connecticut and some services in New York City as well. Wow. Um, and I'm also the communicable uh, disease coordinator for the local health department here um, in Connecticut, Norwalk. That's awesome. Who did you mention their book? Me, I'm also an author of a book with my twin <laughs> sister, who is also a CRNA in the Houston area, and uh, we wrote a book called Leap of Faith. That's amazing. Thank you. And uh, this is Shay's second time on my podcast. She came on when I was first in the first beginning stages, and she recommended you, ladies. So thank you very much. And we're going to jump in right in into our our question and answer, and hopefully um, the, you will be informed afterwards. So are you ready, family? Then let's talk about it. Our topic, COVID-19 and the quarantine. All right, queens, let's just jump right in. Um, Shay, I'm going to start with you. What do you think is the reason for the health disparities in the black community? Well, that really is a loaded question because there's two sides to it. Um, it is, as you've seen in the news, when we go to get proper treatment, we're turned away for whatever reason. But the other um, really is because of a lack of education. And maybe I, I'd hate to say this, but it's true, some poor decision making, um, mm -hmm. going out without masks, not washing our hands, not social distancing. When we make poor decisions, we increase our chances of ending up with the symptoms. And then that leads to not being treated properly. Okay. So it's two sides to it. We have to learn to protect ourselves and, and know the symptoms. So it's knowledge as well. So you know when to seek proper treatment. Okay, awesome. Do you think that it that we didn't communicate it well? I know a lot of people are attributing um, the advancement of COVID-19 to our president and his, his inability to uh, articulate how significant this virus would become. So do you think that because the information initially, and I don't want to place blame, I'm just using that as an example yeah. of why uh, right. people were so lackadaisical, lackadaisical for, for lack of a better word, are, are they well, that's, really that's take that seriously? That's kind of a hard question to answer because even if the president had have been honest, I wouldn't have believed him because there's so many untruths that come from him. I think that it came from a, a lack of people doing their own research and doing their due diligence and really looking up things for themselves because the information is available. We just have right. to go and seek it. Right. I get that. I understand. Did any one of the other ladies wanted to contribute to that answer? And I think um, it's also um, due to all the testing that went wrong long time ago in the African-American community. You know, a lot of African-Americans do not trust the healthcare system. So then they tend to wait until they're sick, 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 and then they come in or they don't have insurance. Right. Okay, awesome. And we'll get into that even um, a little bit more. Um, uh, here in a little bit. Okay, so our next question is going to be, what are some good advice that you can give to people to protect themselves? I mean, we need to continue, even though they're trying to open up the economy, we still need to practice social distancing. We still need to wear the mask because people don't understand a virus just doesn't go away. Um, right, I get it. I understand. So a lot of people, you're saying like this we don't trust in essence and, and, and probably rightfully so, but that has kind of contributed as well as, and then you were kind of fading out. So we didn't hear the first part of your answer. You're it's fading out, but that's totally okay. Did you want to contribute to this, uh, Dr. Shima? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, th I think one of the important things is to not let up our guard, okay. right? Cause at, uh -huh. at some point we're going to open back up for obvious reasons, but to understand that when you're in the middle of a pandemic, as Shalisha was trying to say, it doesn't just go away. So you still have to wash your hands. You still have to clean surfaces frequently. You still have to teach our little ones how to wash their hands and not transmit things. And right. yeah, when you're out in, in the public, you don't know if somebody coughs or sneezes because people can be asymptomatic for a long time or people can be carriers and never have any symptoms at all. So, you know, a lot of the guidelines will probably be our new normal for a very long time. Right. Okay. So with that, with it being a new normal, do you think, do you expect any or anticipate any other cha challenges? 
just even within society itself? Yeah, I mean, I will never go back to being the same for one, right? Um, and and with this, whenever you have anything that's new, you never know if there's going to be a, another surge again. So we're we're focused on flattening the curve and and creating a, a decline. But we don't know if when the fall comes again, kind of like how influenza has its peaks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we're still lear- there's still so much we're still learning about this virus and we're adapting as we go along. Um, so we, you know, we 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 just have to know that this is going to be part of our lifestyle going forward and encourage our brothers and sisters, um, likewise, to, yeah, to do likewise, right? Especially that we're the ones that are most affected. Exactly. So how would um how can uh, CBD help during this COVID-19 pandemic? And I'll go back up to, oh, that's Sh- um, Sh- Sharita. Shalita. Shalita. Shalitra. Forgive me, people. You know me and these names. Okay. Our, um, <laughs> okay. So I'm going to go back to Shima, Ms. Sh- uh, Dr. Shima. How, how, how can people adapt to COVID-19? I mean, <clears throat> I think first of all, it's, it's what was your normal routine, right? Mm-hmm. What, what did you usually do? How were you spending time as a family, for example? Um, were you used to going out to doing things? Um, if so, now we have to do things that are more at home. Like my kids and I, we play Uno, something I, I, I had to learn how to do. Um, businesses, right? <laughs> right. Um, if you're a business <laughs> owner, you, you also have to adapt. Like right. for, for myself in private practice, I've moved a lot of my patients to telemedicine um, for certain things that you can't, you can't put off via telemedicine. Like if somebody needed an infusion because they were sick or they were recovering from COVID after their, their quarantine, I needed a drip. It's, it's having additional protective methods to protect yourself. Um, into that right um getting all the necessary stuff at your supermarket and trying not to go out too frequently if, if you don't have to um so that adaptation is going to require a lot of change and 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 we just have to do the best that we can to get past this and get i, I get that and i understand I, I think that it's just a challenge for us because like you said or you all mentioned earlier that it's just a new um a new way of life so um, what going back up to Shay, what is some good advice you can give people to protect themselves? Can you hear me now? I can hear you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, I think one thing the CDC recommends masks and that is the biggest thing because of how it's spread. I went to the grocery store cause I try to go once every week or once every other week. And I was really amazed by the number of people that were not wearing masks. And it was really, um, really bothersome. Most of them were the workers at Walmart. They're the ones that have people coming in front of them all day long. So you're the one that really should be wearing masks. And we need to know that just because we want to go out doesn't mean we have to go out. We need to try to group everything that we need and go out one time and stay away from other people. And it's just amazing to me that at my house, my office is by the street and there's children outside playing. And I just really don't understand with everything that's going on, why everyone is not, you know, following the recommendations. It's like, if they tell you what you should do to stay safe and then you go and do something opposite, then you really can't be surprised when someone in your family gets sick. Yeah. Self-discipline is what it comes down to, you know? Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. But what I mean, I think that that's important that I we're so lax, just so comfortable with our way of life. And, and this is just really shaking up society. I mean, we just don't know how to act. And so we think that it's kind of like a learning curve for everyone. We're trying to just adjust to what the hands that the cards that we were dealt. Right. I mean, so. um but when you were seeing the kids play, were they they were they still keeping their distance or were they? they were not keeping their distance. Because I see kids play, but they are keeping their distance from one another. But, you know, kids are not adults, so they're going to do whatever. So, of course, they were not uh, keeping their distance. But my thing is, why would the parents allow them? Like, not, I can see, like, outside in your backyard, but in a public street in front of somebody else's house, that just doesn't seem safe to me. Right. 
Okay, I get it. Like that. those children that I saw today, they're not on from my street. They're from a whole nother street. So right. you're just letting your kids go out knowing that this is going on. That doesn't seem, I don't know. I guess that's the one thing that does bring me a little bit of peace is that we don't really see it in children. Thank goodness. Right. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. I mean. It's still, it's still being transmitted is the point. Um, Chalisha, right. Shay, am I saying your name correctly? Please forgive me because I, I really hate when I do that. I want to make sure that you know that your value, your name is valuable. Um, you had a question about how can CBD help during this COVID um, nineteen uh, pandemic. Oh, so what is CBD for us who don't know? So CBD is basically um, it's cannabis, but without the high, you don't get high with it. And so um, there's a lot of research studies that have been done. So I work with a company out of Oklahoma, and we just created a immune booster, which really has everything that you have in your spice cabinet. A lot of people don't realize that a lot of things in a drink that will help boost your immune system. So there's um, research has shown that CBD is has a respiratory protective mechanism. So mm -hmm. um, even though you were from COVID nineteen there's still a possibility that you could have lung damage as well. Yeah, CBD is basically cannabis, but uh, without the psychoactive. So it doesn't get you high. It'll relax you, but it doesn't get you high, you know? And so there's been a lot of research um, with CBD, how uh, it can boost your immune system. It helps the, um, your natural killer cells. It helps them... Because, you know, when you have your, your natural killer cells, when they go into attack, when you have these viruses. So mm -hmm. CBD is supposed to enhance those cells to kill off the virus. So they're still, they're still doing research study as well as it has that respiratory protective mechanism. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. even though you get COVID-19, there's still a possibility that you can have lung issues. So CBD is supposed to help counteract that so that it can... So basically... It allows your body to repair itself because you were already built to repair yourself, but you mm -hmm. just need that little extra boost. And so uh, recently we created a product that is basically the same stuff that you have in your spice cabinet. We linked mm -hmm. it all together and added CBD to it to help boost your immune system. Now, a lot of people don't know that a lot of things that can help boost your immune system, you already have it at home. You just need to tap into it. Right. So that's another conversation for another day because I would love to even talk further about that because we don't know what are some natural remedies that will help us to uh, not get as sick. Do you find, is that why from any of your perspectives, but uh, specifically for you, Shalitra, that is that why the older community is so impacted by this particular disease? Because, because of their, their immune system? Oh, yeah. Because, you know, as you get older, everything starts to slow down. Right. And so, you know, what you can't, your body doesn't do what your young you used to do. And mm -hmm. so, um, especially older people, they need uh, a lot of their immune system boosted. I know as soon as this COVID-19 hit, my mom, she's 69, about to be 70. I send her like 10 bottles. I'm like, hey, drink this once a week. Wow. That's a, now, is that something that they can that people can be have prescribed, or is, where do they get that particular the CBD? Oh, they can uh, they can either get it from me off my website, CBD Health Solutions. Right. Or, you know, um, I'm also working with one of the ER docs that's in Oklahoma, and he's been prescribing it to his patients. Because I mean, okay. I didn't know that licorice actually has antiviral properties. So yeah. I've been learning a lot as well through this whole process so with that would we encourage our children to eat more licorice for example yeah because actually this cbd product is adult and children safe so it doesn't okay. have any thc you won't if you get drug tested uh, it won't show up in your system so our company is really pushing for it during this time because we need our, our we need our system to be at its best right Exactly. Does anyone else, would any one of the other queens like to contribute to this um, information about the CBD or any other uh, natural remedies that people can try 
well, not so much natural because they do need to be in, in you guys' offices. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Is it, what, what else? Any other recommendation recommendations concerning this aspect of um, taking care of themselves? Well, um, I've been telling my patients about higher doses of vitamin C and and zinc, um, along with elderberry. Pop, you know. Uh, you can get at any of the health food stores or you can buy the one that's already ready-made. Um, things that we have in the kitchen, as Shalitra say, your ginger, your turmeric, all those anti-inflammatory um, herbs and spices, they cannot hurt at this point in time. Um, and I find that vitamin C works best when you take it every day as opposed to when you're already sick with something and then you're trying to throw a lot of doses in. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, um, my patients on foods that are high in vitamin C, um, parsley and thyme, lemon, strawberries, Brussels sprouts, broccoli, oh, things yeah. like that have a lot of vitamin C in it. So if you just put it in your diet, that also helps a lot. Okay, that's wonderful. That's great. Um, my next, um, my next question would be, uh, Shima. You said that what what message, or, or I would like to know, understand a little bit more about what message do you have for young black women? Well, part of part of my story um, coming up as a single teen mom, uh, mm -hmm. and to where I'm at now, where I'm giving back in my community and making a difference. Um, I just want I just want to encourage uh, the young women that's out there that you your how you begin your journey does not have to be how you end it right, right. um mm -hmm. so we can we can still change lives you could still touch different you could still achieve that goal irrespective of where you are right now um in light of corona can't go to college can't go to school you know don't know what you want to do maybe, maybe your home situation is completely different um but just to be encouraged that you you can accomplish what you set out to, regardless of the challenges, um, whether they be health wise, financial wise, socioeconomic, Where you start out does not have to be where your journey ends. Um, and so that that was my message to um, the little girls who look like me growing right. up, and coming and, and coming here, and where I'm at today. Okay, so have you found that there is is there an increase? I know we're going to get into more. Uh, um, if uh, more information about the black community specifically, but is there an increase? Uh, are are they? Let me. How? What am I trying to say? Do how safe is that particular community? Our younger generation. Are you finding? I know that the older generation, our our elders and different things, are contracting the disease a little bit more. But what about the young people? Are either of you, you know, specifically speaking to uh, Shima? But have you encountered that you've seen more young adults, you know, contracting COVID nineteen, especially since the beaches and different things were um, opened uh, a four time? I mean, the the only uh, you. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh. I mean, I mean, yeah. I I find that there's a there's a different risk in that population group, um, by itself because now that they cannot they cannot go out and do the things that they usually do or have access to the care that they usually do in terms of like um, sexual health, right? Mm -hmm. They're at the stage where they're discovering themselves that a, a higher number of them. Um, are calling for STD screening in the community in light of current um, COVID pandemic, and because we don't, we're closed um, with limited services in terms of how we are triaging and, and helping them during the crisis. Um, that most of them don't have where to, they don't have health insurance and they don't have where to go. So their risks are a little bit different, not necessarily tailored to just COVID, but to what they're now doing with their extracurricular activity and their time. Right. That's great. Um, Shay, did you want to share as far as the young the thing, uh, adult community? Right. The thing that scares me the most is since they're not really affected, like the elderly, I don't think that a lot of them are taking it as serious. Right. Um, my hometown is really, the numbers are growing every day. Um, well, I think we're up to 170 cases, and for a small town, that's a lot. 
And when I was on Facebook, I noticed that a lot of the younger people were saying that the tests were fake because they were coming back positive. And I was trying to educate them that you can be asymptomatic. And that means that you're spreading it, but you're not showing symptoms and they're not understanding that. They're thinking that the tests are fake and that they really don't have it. And so that is really a big problem. So what I'm trying to do is encourage the older people to talk to them through Zoom and FaceTime and as long as they're not going to do the social distancing and they're not going to take it seriously and they need to distance themselves from them. Exactly. I, I agree 1000%. So, um, uh, as I was preparing for our encounter today, a variety of stu studies showed that the higher rate of confirmed cases as well as death, death are, are held within the African American and Latino communi communities. Would you guys mind, I want to spend a little bit of time here because I've seen just a lot, even a lot of celebrities, just people in general talking about how COVID-19 has affected our community. And then I learned today it is more so the Latino communities are the minorities as well. So would you mind uh, expounding upon these facts? Uh, first, uh, Shalitra, you can go first and then Saima and then um, uh, Shay, if you, you want to add, that would be great. Okay. Um, so um, in that regard, in the African-American community, a lot of African-Americans are saying, like in the city, that there's not any, like, testing sites in their area. Like, they have mm -hmm. to go and drive, too. Well, you know what? If you don't have a car or public transportation isn't running like it normally would, then how are they going to get to that testing center? And um, a couple of people I know in New Orleans, they uh, were feeling sick, but then they were tested and basically sent home wow. to quarantine themselves. Mm -hmm. And I know this one guy, he ended up dying from complications because he just got so sick. And you get so sick, then, you know, how are you going to get back to the hospital? You know, and exactly. nobody is thinking, like, you're at home by yourself. Nobody's thinking, like, oh, let me call 911. But then 911 is probably over, you know... Exactly. They all over the place because they're dealing with other things besides COVID nineteen. Exactly. And so you know that's my that um that's one of the biggest issues that I see in the African American community. And then as far as the Latino community, you know, there's a lot of undocumented Latinos in America. So I think some of them fear because of all this deportation mm -hmm. stuff that's been going on in the last few years. They are afraid to even seek health care for the fear of getting deported. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So do you think that um, that the high, well, like you said, we wouldn't even know because there's a lot of undocumented Latina people who we can't even measure if they, how the disease is affecting their community specifically, our Hispanic community specifically, right? Uh, Shima, did you want to um, uh, share? Yeah, I mean, so for our our community, one of our challenges in the state of Connecticut, for example, was that the state lab was the main per persons or people that had testing capability, right? Mm -hmm. And they had to save the amount of tech, the tests that they have to the acute care facilities. So a lot of people were, were, we were just as the health department telling people, stay home, stay quarantined, monitor your symptoms, try and reach your PCP. But a greater number of people did not have health insurance, as Shalitra said. And so what do you do with those people? Like trying to find resources for them to even be tested. A, greatest, a greater part of the challenges in this. So when our numbers were going up in terms of death and, and acuity, um, we were just getting started with, with testing. We were, we were just getting available. And then we would have a contact trace that's linked and when we do the contact investigation for our Latino population, for example, you'd have 10 or 12 family members that live in one area. Where, where are they quarantining? The setup is not set to separate the positives from... So that's another challenge, right? Why there's a significant disproportion to Black and Latina communities is, is, is all socioeconomic constraints as well that influence that. So I like that. Um, Shay? I think that they covered um, pretty much everything. Mm -hmm. I just really wish that as a community we would really um, do our own research 
and not just see something on Facebook and run with it because yeah. there was a lot of people with platforms. Um, I actually got blocked by Boyce Watkins because he was telling people that they were overreacting and that um, the media was trying to make it seem like it was something that it wasn't. So I like for taking that and running with it. I really think that we really need to do our own research and stop believing any and everything that we see on social media and really pay attention to what's going on because even with the when the Ebola came out, it wasn't on the news, it wasn't in every email, it wasn't on every commercial. So that right there should let you know that it's serious. I've that we've never experienced anything like this before and we've always been the type of people that okay, well we're in a country where we don't have to worry about it. Well now that we do, we don't know how to act. Well, yeah. So we have to find reliable and trustworthy resources to get our information from and don't take advice from Pookie's baby mama's cousin's Ooh. brother that you met two days ago. That is so true. And you know, another, another issue that, that we're seeing is like, so there's men who they're the sole provider of the family. Right. So they're sick. Mm -hmm. They got to go to work because if they don't go to work, mm -hmm. then the family doesn't eat. So you're seeing a lot of men getting, you know, sick. And like one of my coworkers today, she was hacking all over the place and she couldn't even get a visit to one of the pulmonologists because they weren't accepting patients at the time. So you, if she gets to the point where she can't breathe, she has to go to the ER. Her copay is $250. Yeah. So if they don't have the $250, then what is the ER? You know, because yeah. the hospitals yeah. are, like, losing money. Yeah. And so do you see, do you guys, that, you bring up a valid, valid point, and I wanted to talk about financial situations, so I'm glad you brought that up. What, uh, what do you think that uh, there is a lot, and we, I had another question concerning that kind of, is there is a lot of people who are being turned away, or can y'all see or do you ladies, have y'all noticed that there are a lot of um, clients or uh, patients being turned away because of the lack of insurance or finance, or like you said, uh, mentioned earlier, co-pay and different things of that nature? Yeah. So yeah, how is that affecting? That is, mm -hmm. That's the reason why I do a lot of teaching on prevention. Because um, I do live every Wednesday and every week I go over changes and ways to prevent yourself. And I was very clear and I let everybody know if you don't have insurance, you can't afford the test, if you can't afford this, you really need to go ahead and invest in some lemons and some oil, some money. If you don't have insurance, then if you don't have insurance, then you should try to stay home if you don't have to work. Like there's a lot of things that we could do to protect ourselves that I'm not seeing, and and that is really a big. Concern of mine because you would think that as a community that we know that we're not getting proper treatment, we know that we don't have the insurance, that we would be the ones with four or five masks on instead of walking around with none. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, like to your to one of you all's point earlier, you you said how that now you not only just have to have those masks, but you have to have the 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 head covering and those different facets. So, how does that make you feel? To learn that even now we've, you know, gone from not having masks to having masks to having, you know, masks with gloves. And now you're having having the shield. How, how does that make uh, you ladies feel from that perspective? Does it give you any hope that this that we may come out? Um, and we can start with you, Shay, this time. Uh, does it give you any hope that we may come out of this pandemic with less deaths? Well, the fact that they keep upping the security lets you know that it is very contagious. So the fact that the hospitals are finally providing the right PPE gives me some hope. But the it's not the hospitals that concerns me. It's the community because that's where it's being spread. Right. Anyone else want to add to that before we move on? I mean, it gives me a little hope, but then it doesn't for the simple reason is even though we're putting on all this stuff, we have to keep this on all day long. Right. So we can't right. take it off and we can't, like, when I go get an N95 mask, 
Mm-hmm. It's issued out. I have to sign out for it. Mm-hmm. So you only get one for the whole day. And then what a lot a lot of hospitals are doing, they're taking the green N95, they're sending them to the national lab to be decontaminated and then pushed back out into the community. If you wear makeup, I was told today, I didn't know it because so if makeup is on your mask, it can't be decontaminated. So they're telling women that you can't wear makeup mm-hmm. anymore because they don't want the makeup to get on the N95s. Mm. Well, our, uh, our people is in essence compromised. Yeah. You know? So, so mm-hmm. like, just like Shalitra said, it's like, all right, we hope that we're going to flatten and go, but it's, it's probably going to go at a slower pace because normally we just use one N95 and discard and have mm-hmm. it contaminate or wear the same one for a couple of days. Like, you know, the whole point of it is there are little particles stuck to that. How do we know when we touch yeah. it? You, you can be as careful as possible, but you, the risk is still higher than how we've had to use it in the past. You know? Yeah. Right. Because even... Even I was told to get today in the endo suite where we do colonoscopies and EGDs that our blue gown, we have to keep it on all day. So all you're doing is transferring germs from one patient to the next one because I'm leaning up against the bed to get consent and to, you know, listen to the lungs, check the airway and all that stuff. So you got what the other patient just got. Wow. So do you think that the hospitals or the medical facilities are also a, um, I don't know, a, a way a, of where people are con- contracting the, the virus as well? Yes. Oh, yes. Stay home. I tell my kids, try not to break anything during this time because we only go into the emergency yeah. room if you're dying. Um, <laughs> you don't want to go there. Absolutely. It's probably one of the most hot, hottest zones for COVID. Yeah. Uh, moment you know that's when a patient called me had a panic attack because she went against my advice because she's a frequent flyer for uh, pain medication and I actually called her because I knew she'd go and so she called me in tears everybody had masks on they're checking temperatures and she wouldn't let her family come and I was like I tried to tell you that you did not need to go to the emergency room unless it is an actual emergency because that is the worst place to be right now right well i think again it goes back to that learning curve that we're all trying to you know once we could depend on going to the hospital without having to worry about um you know catching a disease of this type of nature um so i saw on on uh, social media how that some of you all you, you had the uh the markings from the mask on the Face, it was the faces were indented because mm-hmm. you guys have to work uh, such long shifts, and we are going to move on to the next one. But this is kind of interesting. What? So, how is that affecting you? What is some? What are some of the longer shifts that you guys had to encounter? And uh, now you guys are able to move go home. I guess a little bit more, right? Yeah. Like at first, we were when it like last week. Normally, we take the CRNAs, we take backup call from home. So once they okay. call us, we have 30 minutes to get to the hospital. But then they changed it where we had to start doing 12-hour in-house call. And we were on the COVID-19 intubation. Of course, one of our campuses has that maximum security prison. So we were in TDC back and forth. And wow. you know the COVID rate has went up in that population. Right. I heard about that it that it you know it wasn't as as vile you know as as much at first but now so you're saying that you guys are seeing even more cases within oh, the TDC? Yeah. Oh yeah. We're seeing a whole yeah. lot of more cases. Wow. That that's really the scary part too. And some other studies have proved that as well as the black and Hispanic uh community, um had they were, of course we all have uh, talked about that or you guys have shared your wisdom on how that they are the harder hit population. Um, what about the chronic health conditions and the social are these social factors to blame kind of for this as well? Some experts say that outside of your expertise um, are, how do you guys feel about that? The people that have the chronic health conditions, which I guess would be the, could be the older population, but how, how is that affecting that particular community? Well, uh, so a lot of, um, 
Hispanic, for example, there's there's a high incidence of diabetes in that population. Okay. Um, and so with any chronic um, disease, your immune response is already compromised, right? Because you, you're always having to deal with that particular, the effects of that um, condition on your body and the changes that it incurs. Some people may have good control. Some people still eat what they want and take their medicine. So you, you're, you know, you're, you're never going to be the same with a chronic underlying issue that's going on where your immune system is always revived. So those people are more susceptible to catching things because of that, what we call comorbidity or co-factor as a risk, risk by itself. Um, so yeah, your people with, with, uh, COPD, lung conditions, your people with diabetes, hypertension, um, with blood clotting issues, there, there's oh, a lot of coagulability that um, comes with the COVID um, syndrome, right? And so those people are throwing a lot more blood clots, for example, as part of the, their complication um, processes. So it really doesn't matter in terms of chronic conditions, the, the age per se. Uh -huh. If you have somebody that has type 1 diabetes and they're 25 years old, they're going to be as, as even more increased risk as the 79-year-old with, with who's had a, a heart attack with stents, you know? Right. Um, so it, 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 it definitely does influence our, our community even more. I agree with what she said. <laughs> okay, we're going to move on. Um, this is something that I, like you guys, especially, I think Shay specifically mentioned about how that we have all these misconceptions and, I, and all three of, three of you, I think, unitedly have this kind of same ideology that we have this misconception of the, the disease itself. Um, and one of the misconceptions that I struggled with is that at first I didn't believe that the African-American community was the one who had the majority, you know, was the one who was uh, susceptible to this disease or having the most reactions or the most deaths or whatever you want to, however you want to talk about that. But at the same time, what I found was, is that the reason why our community and other uh, minorities outside of the Latinas are have are more susceptible to uh, encountering this or contracting this particular virus is because we're the ones that that we're the where we work in the warehouses we we're making the deliveries we're emptying in a food truck and providing the delivery such as um, over uber eats and, and grubhub I mean what what are y'all you all's thoughts on that because I think we really need to uh, to gain clarity because a lot of people as you mentioned Shay we are not going to reliable sources for our information so how do you we can start um, with you Shay then we'll just go around the opposite way this time if you want to share your thoughts on that because this is factual information is the reason why our numbers are increased more than others well there's of course if you're exposed to it you're going to have higher numbers so like really a lot of essential workers really need to be taking preventive me uh, methods if you know that you have to go into what i call the hot zone then you should be taking that vitamin c every day you should i tell everyone that talks to me and they ask me what is the best prevention that i can tell them i tell them that every time they come into their home you should assume and act like you're bringing COVID 19 with you if you do that then you are you know you're setting yourself up for success or less likely to you know because you don't want it to spread in your home. Because once right. it spreads in your home, it, it's going to get out of hand. So as soon as you walk through the door, you need to change your clothes. You need to put your, those clothes in the washing machine. You need to take a shower. You need to be cleaning those um, doorknobs and light fixtures and cell phones and remote controls on a daily basis. Like we really have to amp up the security in our homes and not just you know take it lightly because it's not light. Especially if you're in a home where anyone in the home goes and comes out every single day, you're at a very high risk. So you have to take the measures to protect yourself. I appreciate that. And that's not do you think that there's a lack of urgency before we move on to uh, Sean? But do you think there's a lack of urgency? I know that there is because when I go through Facebook and my, you know, my family gets on me all the time because I, I feel like I, you know, I have to take it on. When I see people, the main thing is who do you know that's affected? Why do you have to know somebody that's affected before you believe it? Like, does it wow. have to be someone in your family? 
has to die before you finally say, okay, COVID is real? Like, are you not looking at New York? Are you not looking at, you know, California? Are you not seeing this? But just because you don't know their names personally, you don't think that it's real? It doesn't yeah. have to be somebody you know. And I told one lady, she got really upset with me. When I told her, I said, for you to believe that someone in your family has to die, that should make you look at yourself and wonder why am I waiting for something tragic to happen in my life before I believe it instead of trying to get out in front of it. You know, I can appreciate that real quickly. And I, and I know we're running low on time, but one thing that you said that was really significant is just why do we have to have so much knowledge in essence to believe that this is real or this is happening? Um, and, and so we're just taking for granted the severity of the, of the, the disease, correct? Is that what I'm hearing you say? Yeah. yeah, I don't think a lot of people believe that it's true because they don't know somebody. When people, that because where I'm from is from a small town, so we got hit late. So we were seeing it, but we weren't feeling it. And now that right. we're feeling it, now they're starting to believe it. And that's, that's bad. Like, there should be no cases in that city because everybody else got hit first. So instead of them looking and saying, oh, look at them, let me prepare myself, they were like, oh, it's not real because it's not in my backyard. Exactly. Okay, so Shima, did you want to, and then we'll move over to uh, Shalima? Yeah. I'm Michelle Mitra. I got you a Forgive me. Yeah, I agree with Shay that in terms of uh, uh, service workers, right? Are, were, were, a lot of them were carriers in the beginning. So from, for me, I think that by the time we started ringing the alarm, we had a lot of people who were asymptomatic carriers or people with milder presentation mm -hmm. of disease that were going in and about their daily alarm, uh, their daily routines. You know, the UPS truck driver, I've had contact cases in every single service area that you could think about. If you want to play, pay your light bill, a lot of the staff from that, the warehouses that they go to pick up your deliveries and take them out, um, a lot of those staffs got hit that were going in and out of businesses and personal properties, delivering things before we were like, well, wait, we should shut, we should be shutting things down. By the time we should, we shut things down, there was already that long incubation period. And for the people who were either asymptomatic or milder that just thought, oh, it's allergy season. Nah. They were, right. or most of them were already spreading it amongst the community. Um, and so because the bulk of us, work in these type of service industry in terms of our brown and, and, and black people. Um, that's how a lot of us are getting even more affected. Right. And then people without benefits for, for their jobs, uh, often can't afford to stay home sick. Yeah. Right. So the alarm, was, the, the bell was rung a little bit too late in my opinion. <laughs> so, right. Really quickly, did you, um, Shima, do you feel, and I'll ask, um, after Shalima answers, then I'll ask this question again, but do you feel that there, because I hear a lot of people, I mean, I want, don't forget this original question, but Shima just made me think of something. Do you think, I hear a lot of people are, it's on the racial, um, uh, conspiracy theory. Do you feel because of what you just shared, <laughs> I, I see you. I see you right there, Shay. We're going to get you in a minute. But do you feel that that's a big contribution to why um, the, gov the different states are opening up, up in particular areas of the country? Or is it just what we just discussed? It's because we are the one to, um, the black and brown people, thank you for saying that because that sounds a little bit more better, with, uh, that we are the ones who are out there with the deliveries. We're, you know, doing those type of uh, essential duties do you feel that 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 that's a contributed a contributing factor um yeah for sure the fact that we're we're out there we're the day laborers we're the landscapers we're the ones delivering we're working the restaurants right so we're at higher risk for getting it um but i think in the past there, there's always been disparities we've always been exactly as brown and black people in healthcare, I've witnessed it amongst colleagues. Um, I've, I've, I've personally seen it. Um, I've seen people die because of it and, and patients are not treated the same. Um, so, you know, how socioeconomic wise, whether you, America is divided in classes, right? Whether we want to acknowledge it or not, there's the poor, there's the, the middle class, there's the 
top 1% and, and not everybody's treated the same. And so we have to call the spade the spade. And, and so even though we are the out there doing those types of work, the majority of us, um, it's, it's definitely, it's it definitely increases, increases our risk for getting it in along with the fact that they've, we've always never had equal rights to anything in, in healthcare or otherwise. I'm so glad to share this question. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your turn, and then we'll talk about the racial thing afterwards. Because I, you know, haven't y'all heard a lot about that? Yeah, because actually, um, Pastor Brian out of uh, Atlanta, Newburgh, he's a pastor yep. of Newburgh. He yep. was, he broke it down, and I didn't, I didn't even know that that the dollar in the black community uh -huh. rotates every six hours. So yeah. of course, they just gave you that. Okay. Yeah. You know, the Jews, oh they keep God. their money they for like 27 days. Wow. Targeted advertisement. They yeah. have studied yep. our culture and population. Yeah, so oh, they know. They I'm already know. That. that is a great fact, Shalima. Shalitra, Shalitra, you're going to get it together before the end of this, right? Wait, I'm just I'm writing it correctly, Shalitra. Wait, we're going to do another segment and I'm going to be ready. I'm going to listen to this recording several times. I want to see the one where she get the twins together because she's definitely going to mess up the names then. Okay. But thank y'all for being great sports on that. I'm so appreciative. But you, I mean, oh my God, I wish, man, I know we run out of time. I wish we could spend time right there because I haven't heard that fact. Like you said with Pastor Brian, I, I think I follow him on one of my social media platforms, but I haven't heard that about the, the, the I found it significant that the yeah. black dollar rotates every six hours. Is that what you said? And yeah, he's like, every six hours. Wow. Like he broke it down on the YouTube. So if you YouTube him and mm -hmm. he's talking about it says like COVID nineteen opening up the economy is like opening up caskets or whatever. Mm -hmm. And he just breaks it down. And I thought it was crazy that ours is ours versus other races hold on to their money for days. Yes. That's another yeah. subject for another day. Shay, mm -hmm. I, I, I want I'm really am gonna write that down because that's another subject for another day. Shay, come on, I know you're ready. Go ahead, tell your skill. It started on this. Well, you know when I interviewed you with your book, right? I already knew. They, we know it. Okay, so it's not a surprise. So when they opened up the nail shops and the beauty shops and all that stuff first, we already knew what it was. Somebody has to be first. So they know we gonna go out and spend our money. So why not sacrifice us? But the thing is, why were the shops full? Like that's what the problem is. Were they full? Why were the shops full? Like if you know they're sacrificing you, you know they're trying to get that stimulus check back because that's the reason why the economy is really opened back up because nobody's making any money. Yeah. And why would you go out and spend it? My thing is, and I'm telling everybody, if you have money that's burning a hole in your pocket, spend it in your own community. Yeah. Okay. Spend it with somebody you know. Like, don't go out of your home and be unsafe and go to the nail shop. Get you some warm water, put you some vinegar and some blue listerine, and, and soak those feet. You're going to be just fine. You don't need to go out there and give them your body. Yeah. <laughs> Risk your life. And the lines were long. I'm sheets right now, but I'm alive. <laughs> you brought up a significant point too I'm coming right back to you as well but you brought up a good point too that I noticed when I was out I think yesterday or day before yesterday well I, I don't go out very much but I noticed that um, as I was walking through the store my, my thought was thank you God because I am saving to a certain extent. You know what I mean? Like I'm being more self-conscious, more self-aware. Okay, I'm starting to second-guess myself. Do, like, like your point, do I really need this? How significant is that? In, 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 in the Shima, how, how, how significant is that? Is just, well, being self-aware and self-regulated. I mean, I talked about that on my Facebook Live today, but since y'all brought that up, how, how significant is that? It, it is our self-awareness because... A lot of times people, majority of people don't even keep a budget. 
right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. now that you don't know when you're going to go back to work, if you were furloughed and employee or paid off or whatever, um, it's making you more, or I would hope it would make you more conscious of, of the things that we were just spending frivolously at or the things that we've had to survive without. We've had to do our own here. We've had to, you know, right. for the past two months or whatever. Um, but yeah, it, 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 it definitely should make people realize that, Hey, in if something like of this magnitude should happen again, how will you be prepared? You know, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. are your reserves? Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're going to be, most people are paycheck to paycheck. So it's, it's definitely been an eye opener to, to say, all right, well, we're going to eat till the fridge is really, really empty. I could see mm-hmm. the back of it before we go to the supermarket again. Right. <laughs> Shalitra. Yeah. I got it right, Shalitra. Yes, you got it right. Shalitra, Shalitra, Shalitra. Okay, come on. I'm going to have one more question for you guys before we close it out. Okay. I mean, like like Sheila was saying, you know, we have to be more aware. Like I told people, I said, you know, those stimulus checks, go put it in a savings account. Stop. Y'all, they are already in the Walmart. To go get a TV. I had to go back to the electronics really? section to see what was going on because I seen what? everybody walking out with a TV. I said, "Is Walmart having a sale on the sixty-five inch?" Mm-hmm. Priorities are. I'm very yeah. disappointed on that. And okay, then I, I think when they open up a hair shop in Dallas, no social distancing whatsoever. They were just. Did they have on their mask or anything? No. No. Because I seen CNN was in the store barbershop oh. and they had on their masks and their gloves as they were cutting hair. You know, I was looking. <laughs> because that's, well, that's my, I was a, co- oh, well, I was a professional. Huh? Jenny's was closed. The, the beauty shop she's talking about, they were closed until those stimulus checks came and then they opened back up. So yeah. they were not risking their lives for those few dollars. But when you get $1,200, okay, we can come on in here now. So that right there should have <laughs> been an open. They, they didn't care what your hair looked like when you didn't have any money, but now that you got a check, all of a sudden they open. Come on, we got to. You have to pay attention. Look out for ourselves. You have to pay attention, and the, and the, and that's part of it, because you know, I, I, as you say, um, Shay, education, right? We we can spread mm-hmm. the word. You can, but you're you're gonna grab only a few, right? Yeah. Because yeah. they've been yeah. so conditioned already that the, the first Nike Jordans that come out, they're going to be lined up at the store to get the, the latest upgrades, right? They think to spend $35 on, on a televisit for their health. Just, just saying. Um, right. It's a kind of, you know? Right. <laughs> so I'm going to lead us. This wasn't going to be our original last question, but I think that this is a good segue into this one. And then, you know, if we're, if you guys are available, we'll do something fun again. Cause this, this became, we, once we got in our groove, right. Yeah. Um, but I found <laughs> this quote by the director of the Maryland university. He's the, uh, doc, uh center for uh, health equality exclaims that Africa, this was very interesting. So I definitely want your perspective. African-American and Latinos plus other uh, minority groups live a sick, this is what he says they live a we live a sicker life and die younger so i want to start with you shay and then we'll go to shalitra then we'll end it um with you shamima uh shamima I agree with that um, because if you, a lot of us can't afford whole food and and food that we can't afford that are cheap or the dollar cheeseburgers and things like that and the, you know, the the chicken that gives you cholesterol and heart attack and then we're also the working class so we wear our bodies down. We don't get the rest and the sleep that we need. We don't get the mental health. So yes, that that is definitely true. But is it a can't afford I'm no, sorry. Do you think it's also no? Excuse me. Do you think it's also attributed to the point of what uh, Shalita spoke about earlier about the, the the dollar that we spend and how we don't budget? We are so busy worrying about the different things, and that's why we are uh, we let you know that our health suffer at the expense of the TV at Walmart, for example. Absolutely. When that there are people that I saw personally that went shopping with their stimulus check and then called me and when I told 
told them that, you know, how much the price was, they said they didn't have it. And I'm like, well, you just posted your similar shit <laughs> on Facebook. So I know you got it. Why would you not take care of your health first before you go out and buy TV, buy hair, buy nail? Like, our priorities are not in order. Like, yeah. we're living for today and we're not living for tomorrow. That's why most of our kids, like, I, when I was in nursing school, I took care of a patient who both of her grandkids had houses when they were born. Like, we don't have that in our community. And that's why, because we don't set aside funds for the next generation. We're only concerned about today. And today, I mean, look, if you're living check to check, a lot of people don't even realize they're living check to check because they might have a little bit of money left over. But if you can't pay your whole month worth of bills for two or three months, you're living check to check. Yeah. Okay, um, let's go to Shalitra. Um, but I wonder if that guy who wrote that article is taking into account in Baltimore alone how mm. uh, there's so much mold in the housing wow. in the minority communities that, that is causing mm. them to have, have health issues. So we also have right. to look at like where people are living, where are minorities living. They're not living mm. in the best of neighborhoods. These people mm -hmm. that are their landlords aren't fixing up things. So I could eat a healthy diet, but if I'm breathing in mold wow. every day, mm -hmm. then how can you expect me to be healthy? And then I don't have the money to just up and move. Right. And uh, so, I, you know, I, I that's one of the things that I wish minorities <laughs> would. Like, even though you might live in the ghetto, let's not make it look like the ghetto. Come on. Let's start community garden and stuff, you yeah. know? Okay, uh, she, uh, Shay, Shay, that would be better for them, though. Then what did you say, Shay? I didn't hear you. If they would invest the money back into their own community, yeah. then we could oh, fix yeah. that problem. Yeah. When you spend your money everywhere else, then you're stuck because there's nobody there that cares about you that's going to fix up that place. Can I, can I, can I, yes. add a point that there, there, Obviously, as, as brown and black people, it's so many different factors, right? It's, it's mm -hmm. you know, as Shay said, as Shalitra said, there's so many different factors that make us die younger and, and be sicker. But can we talk about the, genera the generational curses that are transported to the next generation and the next generation where we are not motivated either to get out of the slumber that we've yeah. been in? <laughs> Where we come and, and, and if, if there's one set of us on food stamps, for example, and they give us whatever they want to give us, right? Mm -hmm. eating, you're eating the processed food, you're, you're drinking the sugary drinks, that kind of stuff. And, and, and people are telling you when you get diabetes, okay, stop eating X, Y, Z, but they're not showing you how to eat better in terms of your well, cultural right. considerations, right? Because mm -hmm. if I'm Hispanic and I'm used to my tortillas and you're going to tell me, stop eating that, well, what is the substitute for me to stop eating that so that I, I can be better, right? Um, people who rely on your WIC checks and, and, right. and, and stuff like that, and, and, not, and if they don't get their WIC, they don't eat, their kids don't eat. These are right. all factors why. It's, it's, never just, it's never just, okay, we're sicker because it's by our choice. It's always so many different factors that affect us and disproportionately. And it continues to go that way. And, and COVID has just exposed it for what it is in, in our population, you know? Right. So, yeah, it, it, a lot of it goes different ways where we need to educate our, our thing, but we also have to be willing to change. And we also have to be willing to voice our concerns and advocate for us as a people that, hey, this is not right, what you're doing to us as a community. Um, and, and, and not just do it one time when something big makes the news, but on a continued basis, you know? Right. That's, that's phenomenal. Thank you, guys. Thank you, ladies, so much. Um, of course, we only had, like, two more questions left, but we can definitely tackle those in at a, um, a, a different time. But I am so appreciative. You shared a lot of tips today, and I think that um, we covered everything. Would you agree? We pretty much covered everything for the most part. So I am so appreciative for your time. Um, I think they, that when, when people are listening to this particular episode, that they should be able to walk away with some tips on uh, and some clarity. I think my most revealing cl uh, 
uh, tip for me today from you ladies was uh, the um, the six dollar an hour over the you know the day. So thank you so much. So please share each of you. Of course, it's already going to be on the my my website, but please share a social media site, your website where people can get more information about you all's businesses. Well, for for me, um, I can reach that optimal healing center of Connecticut on Facebook and Instagram or my website at www.optheal.org. Thank you. Shay? Yes, I'm on Facebook mostly. I'm Sequisa Givens, H-E-N-P-C. You can also find me on Facebook and Instagram. Um, my business page is Above Average Health and House Calls. And my website is www.aboveaveragehealthcare.com. I am elated to have participated in this show today. I know that someone somewhere was touched by this wealth of knowledge. Thank you so much to the queens of the round table, N.P. Sequisa Givens and Dr. Shalitra, as well as Shima Andrews, who you can find out more about at my website, www.iamlisanobles.com slash podcast.html. And as a bonus, please visit www.iamlisanobles.com slash resources.html, where you can receive free uh, free gifts for being a part of the Savvy Speaks podcast family. You know me. I love you. I truly do. And thank you for being a part of the show. And remember, remember my mantra. And as I always say, you are, you are a unique combination of experiences, clothed in purpose, strength, and destiny. Have a great week. And I'll see you right here next time on the Savvy Speaks Empowerment Podcast. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Savvy Speaks Empowerment Podcast with Ms. Lisa Nobles online at imlisanobles.com and on Facebook and Instagram at EWOFP. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review and we'll catch you next time on Savvy Speaks Empowerment Podcast. Activate, motivate, inspire.